Ready? Ready. Let's okay. do this thing. All right. <laughs> Getting the word out, watershed education and outreach in Fairfax County next on EnviroPod. Welcome to EnviroPod, Fairfax County's podcast that discusses everything environment within the county and how the dedicated people from our Department of Public Works and Environmental Services, easy for me to say, that's DPWES, that keeps doing what they do to help our residents and environment. I'm Scott Coco. Today I have with me Danielle Wynn, a freshwater ecologist for the Stormwater Planning Division. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Thanks for having me today. How are you doing? I'm great. This is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Okay. Well, good. I like the excitement. Some yeah. people get really nervous. No, this is great. Okay. I mean, I'm used to talking to people, but I get to talk to just one person at a time. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me what you do. So I am a freshwater ecologist. So that means that I go outside and I monitor streams for all the life, the fish, the bugs, water chemistry, the shape of the stream. We help with choosing stream restoration locations and even making sure that those restorations do a great job for environment. But I also get a fun extra job where I'm part of the watershed education and outreach section. So that means I actually get to go out to the community and educate everyone about the importance of stormwater and watershed management. Wow. Okay. So let's uh, back up. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. Give me a little bit of education um, on your background. How'd you get here to Fairfax County? How'd you get uh, to become an ecologist? Uh, how'd you get interested in it? What what brings you into the waterways of that, Virginia? Great questions. So I'm from New York, and I decided that I was tired of being snowed in all day. <laughs> so I came down to Virginia. I went to George Mason for my undergraduate degree. Uh, so I went and I got a biology undergrad degree. And then I started the county in 2002, and I kind of also was starting my graduate program at George Mason again for environmental science. So I kind of fell into this kind of freshwater ecology almost by accident. I helped out a grad. You weren't into the waterways of I New mean, York growing up as a kid in creeks and I always stuff. just loved being outside. I would go fishing with my dad and just kind of like running around as a kid from like the 80s, you know, running around mm-hmm. when we didn't have technology. I yeah, played right. in streams and yeah. I went fishing and I played in the woods. So I was always outside and I had honestly no idea that this was a job, that this was a profession, that I could actually take my love of being outside and my interest in conservation and actually do that. So I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world that I found the job that I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been great every day. Wow. Well, almost every day. Sometimes it's like super hot and gross. And then like, yeah. mm, why am I doing yeah, this? Like, wow, two weeks ago. Was yeah. Okay. <laughs> Most of the time I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so, um, you know, after George Mason, you then started, you know, parading uh, Fairfax County Waterways. Yeah. Is that it? So in 2002, I came to the county and we started doing a project called the Perennial Stream Assessment Program. And that was actually a two-year program where we went around to all the streams in Fairfax County and we assessed where perennially started or where streams are always running throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And the reason we had to do that is because there were some new ordinances that protected those streams that are running throughout the year. So it was a really good introduction to me. I am not good at geography in any way and I get lost constantly much to the chagrin of all my coworkers, and they all know this so I'm sorry everyone again um, but it was a really good way for me to see the county as a whole because the streams in one part of the county are not the same kind of streams in other part of the county and you can really see how things like land use and stormwater management 
how they differ in parts of the county and how that affects our local streams. So uh, tell me about that. Ecologically, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the differences? I, you know, I, I know it's it's a big county. It's a big you know, county. Out, you know, north and west, we're heading into some more higher elevations and, you know, not very high, but um, <laughs> yeah, higher elevations. And then certainly far southwest, you're down into Mason Neck, which is a beach. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about that. So Fairfax is a pretty cool county for many reasons. But one of them is we have three different province districts. So we actually have a coastal plain area, mm-hmm. a Piedmont area, and a Triassic area out to the west. And with those three different areas, we have different soil types, different rock types, just different stream morphology types. So sometimes our streams look different because of just where they are. But sometimes our landscape impacts those streams and makes them change a little bit faster than other times. So it's kind of an interesting place, Fairfax County, because you can feel like you know a stream and then you go like a few miles away and you have a totally different stream dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it always kind of keeps you on your toes, which is fun. Cool. So I, I uh, this past winter, I got out with Dave Anglin. Oh, and we yeah. Were, uh, he was showing me the uh, uh, the Backlick Run Stream Restoration. Yeah, Cameron and that Run. Was quite amazing. Yes. Um, just the the effect that water has had on that landscape is yes. quite stunning. Yeah, that's uh, when a good you're way. Out there. It. Um, and uh, so, tell me a little bit about what you do as far as those aspects um, with streams. Sure. So, in areas that don't have a lot of stormwater management, and typically that would be you know, like inside the beltway. Mm-hmm. So, most of those streams are like sad streams that when you go into the stream, there's a lot of erosion going on. There's not a lot of bugs. There's not a lot of fish. There's a lot of sediment in there. Those are the streams I'm afraid to touch like in my waders because I don't want to touch that that water at all. So Why Why is that? Well, you know, there's definitely streams that just feel, I guess, sadder than others. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot of times where you have a lot of litter getting into our streams. Mm-hmm. So you just really see a lot of human impact. Well, okay. And you see that more in kind of the, you know, highly populated the areas, like areas. inside the right. Beltway. Um, so you can see, you know, you can see definitely the, the negative effect that humans can have. But you can also see the positive effect when we're trying to do these stream restorations. So it's been really a fun opportunity as ecologists to work with our engineers and help them design kind of ecologically – um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, to actually restore the ecology back into right. our stream. So we're not just putting rocks down to make it a stable stream. We're actually putting, you know, like uh, reconstructed riffles or root wads or, you know, undercut banks back into our streams in order to actually have kind of a habitat uplift and a ecological uplift. Uh, and, and so that also helps with the um, the vegetation. Yep. Um, and then the natural wildlife that might come back to that area also. Exactly. It's a if you build it, they will come kind okay. of idea, hopefully. Okay. Take may take them a few years, but they'll come back. And a Canada goose will find it. Oh, I hope not, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's one of the big things I know. Growing, you know, growing up here, you saw white geese everywhere mm-hmm. and maybe one Canada goose, and now they are everywhere. They you know, are they, everywhere. They, they like I mean, area, we've so. definitely made their ideal habitat, <laughs> and 
you know, they found it. So They certainly did. Okay, so um, one of the reasons why you're here today is to talk about the education part of your job. Sure. Um, and I went on, on the site that we're going to talk about today um, and downloaded my field guide. Oh, great. Um, I'm going to take it to my daughters, and we're going to go check that out. I thought that was really cool. Oh, thanks. Um, and so tell me about the watershed education that you do. So I'm, again, I'm really fortunate to be doing the job that I think I've been always wanting and meant to have done. So the education program has really kind of evolved organically over the last few years. It was just something that I enjoyed doing and kind of pieced it into my time when I was, you know, not out in the stream looking for bugs and fish. Mm -hmm. And then over the last few years, we really have gotten a lot of very positive input from the school system. Um, So we're working with, you know, many, many teachers and many curriculum writers and really helping them design some curriculum that actually is connected directly to Fairfax County. So I find that's incredibly fortunate. Um, I know not a lot of localities have such a good connection between their science curriculum writers and local scientists. So I think it just really enriches their curriculum that we're able to give to the school system. So um, and so tell me specifically, what do you go out and do? You work with individual uh, schools or individual Elementary school teachers, videos, different classes. Tell me, tell me about what uh, what you're out there doing. Sure, it's kind of a little bit of everything, which mm-hmm. is exciting. So, if if you don't know or listeners don't know, Fairfax County is the tenth largest school system in the nation with 186,000 students. Right. So, even with there's right now we're about to have four ecologists in my section. So, even fully staffed, we only can probably actually talk to a few thousand students a year. So there's definitely times where we do have labs. Um, you know, we go out to high schools and we have a stream crime investigation lab and we actually run through one of our kind of mock monitoring programs teaching all kitchen chemistry. But we kind of... Now, when you talk... I was reading about that. When oh, yeah. You talk it's a about, fun lab. When you talk about crime, yeah. it's not CSI as far as... It's SCI. Okay, right. But yeah. it's about... It's an environmental... Uh, yes, uh, uh, polluting. It's an, look, exactly. Right? So it's a so stream crime investigation or SEI is basically emulating something that we do. It's called dry weather monitoring. Mm-hmm. So it's actually one of the monitoring programs that we do every year. And in that, we go as the ecologists. We actually go out to outfalls or where the pipe meets the stream. And most of the time, that should be dry because most of them are connected to storm drains, which are on the road. So most of the outfall should just be connected from the storm drain to the outfall to a stream as just a drainage way. So if it hasn't been raining, that should be dry. So we go out to about 100 or 150 outfalls a year. And if it's wet, we'll take a sample. Now, there's definitely times where we've piped streams, and we've done that in the past. We don't do it anymore, but mm-hmm. we used to pipe perennial streams. Right. And there's other times where we find illicit discharges or connections that should have gone to either to wastewater or drinking water sometimes gets into our pipes. So we're able to track that down. And that's really like a, a detective time for us. So we have to track it up the pipe and we have to figure out, you know, what building it is. And even when we find out what building it is, sometimes it's really hard to figure out, you know, which bathroom is it or which, you know, room is it from. Oh, I see. So it is a true detective kind of work and feel. So that's kind of where we got into this idea of doing, you know, a CSI-esque lab where the students have to run through that idea of being a detective and just getting that different feel of science. Because whenever you ask, and I usually, when I talk to students, one of the first things I ask is, 
what does a scientist look like to you? And I run through it. And most of the time, you know, from elementary school to high school, lab it is coat, it's a lab wire coat, rim glasses, yep, crazy hair, beakers, explosions, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I always love my astronomy professor. Exactly. And like half of my chemistry professors, yeah. like they're, they're all like that. So I love the idea of introducing science in different ways to students and showing them that this detective work is actually science. So it's a really good aspect of my job is to introduce science in a lot of different ways. Well, and I imagine it's good if you're able to take these messages to younger kids, it's a great way to recruit them and let them know early on about, exactly. you know, just even where does your water go and where does your water come from and the effects as a human being, you know, Yes. On that. Yeah. Like my one my my eldest daughter, she goes into tears every time she sees a construction site and them taking trees down. So this new 66 um, widening has taken they're building a whole bunch of new overpasses. And she's just like beside herself every time she sees empty ground that used to be trees. Yeah. Um, so I imagine getting people interested in the ecology and as an ecologist is a way of recruiting younger folks to to join up and to think about it. Yeah, I'm definitely recruiting an army of little ecologists right That's now right. every single time I go out. And the wonderful thing of working with these students from, from any age is they are so self-aware of their connection to the environment. And that is a wonderful thing for me to, to see because you can ask, you know, any adult off the street, and they may not know things like, you know, what's a watershed or uh, where does a storm drain lead to or really anything like mm -hmm. that. But you ask a student and, you know, nine out of ten times they know. Like they know that their water goes to Chesapeake Bay or they know that the storm drains connected to the closest stream. They know they shouldn't be That's littering. Great. So That's it's great. really heartening to see, you know, hopefully this next generation can help improve yeah back in our days when we were collecting uh, beer cans yeah and i mean i definitely and, did that you know, i got my five yeah. cents back in new york for everything and <laughs> bought myself some gum or something yeah, like right, that right. but you know stormwater feels like the recycling of our generation sure. so it's really heartening to see their connection to the environment and just like what your daughter was saying you know they feel that they can also have an impact you know that it's something that they can do and they can help with. And that's something I love also talking about. It's not just for me to do as a scientist. It is for you guys to do as students, too. You can all be freshwater ecologists. Um, what are some of the reactions you get from the kids when, when you're out there? Um, you know, it, you, you go into some places with a PowerPoint and kids feel that, oh, this isn't my regular teacher. Maybe I'll check out for a while. Yeah. I, I mean, is that what, what kind of reactions do you get when you show up? I'm usually kind of an exciting person mm -hmm. in the presentation. So tell. if it's <laughs> <laughs> so even if I'm doing a presentation, I'll be, you know, it could be leading up to the lab. So we have high schoolers that may check out a little bit in the beginning. But you know what? That's fine. I know a lot of high schoolers have a lot going on. If they need to close their <laughs> eyes and listen to me, that's fine with me. But they still become aware of the message I'm talking about. Um, other presentations, I'll be, you know, having a few slides, but I'll be wearing like a backpack shocker to talk about how we do fish shocking or have one of the nets that we use for benthic monitoring. So always kind of bringing that you know, that fun element mm -hmm. into the school still kind of makes them interested and exciting. 
And then there's other programs where we actually do plantings outside with students. So that's a very interactive um, you know, event that there's no PowerPoints. It's just us talking to kids, and they get to install plants on their campus and help. What are some of the major messages, you know, some of the key points not that no matter what age, because even adults probably mm-hmm. don't realize a lot of this stuff, especially if you're in an urban environment, you may not even know where a stream is connected. You know, I, yeah. I live in Centerville where there are two, three major streams right around me, um, but other people may not even know that they're close to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you wouldn't know half the time. What, what – uh, Adult to kid, what are some of the maybe two or three major messages that you try to impart? Sure. So number one, always, what is a storm drain and where do they lead? So these are very confusing. So a lot of people just think it goes to a sewer. So when I ask, you know, where does a storm drain lead? It's it's a sewer. Like, well, what is a sewer to you? And then they have to think about it. So the Which mid- is different than sewage. Yeah. So I'm like, does it go to wastewater? Right. Is it a pipe? Like, what do you think it goes to? So having that message is always my number one message. Mm-hmm. From kindergarten and through adult, whenever I'm talking, it is always, what is the storm drain and where that leads? Because I think once st- people are more self-aware of what these things are in the side of the road or in their grass, then they can make those self-conscious choices of maybe not littering right in front of it or maybe not throwing paint down it or throwing dog waste mm-hmm. down it. So that's always number one. I also like to mention and talk to students and residents about where does our drinking water come from and make that connection that our drinking water is really our streams here in Fairfax County. Hmm. You know, so we get our drinking water from generally one or two locations, either the Potomac River or Great Falls or the Aquan Reservoir. Granted, there's people in Wells, but the majority of Fairfax County right, gets it from right. there. And it's really just good to remind people it's it's all one water, and we are drinking this water. So if you're throwing stuff down on the ground, eventually we're gonna we're gonna drink it. Granted, it's gonna be cleaned, so when we drink it, it's fine. But it's always good to remember all the bugs and fish and and geese and everyone else that have to live in that water as it is. So they don't have the luxury of having their water cleaned. Mm-hmm. They have to be in it as is. Sure, I, you know, and you know, if if, if medicine gets down there, exactly. And- you know, we'll have ducks without coughs, but, you know, that's exactly. not necessarily a good thing. I, I, I mean, think. we have transgender fish right now, so there's a lot of issues of what's going on. Um, and I think the another good message is just, you know, being a good housekeeper on your, on your house or on your property. So don't throw down a ton of salt. We don't need to, like, over-salt our driveways, mm-hmm. which end up over-salting our fish. Interesting. Um, we don't need to always fertilize. So even when, you know, different companies suggest to fertilize in the spring, that's not really the best time to do it. Right. So just be self-aware and try to manage, you know, your environment as carefully as you can. So we want to have you back. We want to have you back <laughs> when everyone starts to do all their yard work. Yeah. I know people are... Uh, in September and October, we'll be doing all the aerating and getting everything and ready. That's great. So we're going to have you have you back next year to talk about. <laughs> I'll just pop in for certainly. like a commercial thirty seconds. Well, I, you know, I, that's the one thing. These podcasts could probably go on for hours talking about some of these great, interesting stuff. But you know, something that I wanted to, to have a. That we'll talk. My good friend Irene will be uh, <laughs> setting some stuff up um, so that we can talk about how you can be a responsible landscaper and get rid of weeds and for whatever is the right ecologically thing to do. And yes. so we're going to have you back on Great. to talk about that sometime. All right. But today we're talking about education. Educa- yes. Um, so what? Um, 
just short list some of the programs that you're doing right now, and then what are you looking to how to expand and move on in the future? Sure. So again, I've been really lucky that my boss and my boss's boss have always been really supportive of education outreach. Um, so they've said, you know, sure, keep growing and keep doing whatever you're doing because it's been super successful. So some of the programs we have, I'm just trying to think from elementary through high school in some kind of order. So we have the planting program. It's called Revitalize, Restore, and Replant. And in that, we actually do install native vegetation on Fairfax County um, or other school campuses. Mm -hmm. And that helps filter and slow down stormwater before it reaches our streams, but also provides the school kind of a uh, beautification and greenery. And we do choose species to help with curriculum. So we always install milkweed because second grade is a big monarch butterfly sure. unit. Um, so we always try to have that connection with the school system. Uh, we always do just a ton of other presentations. Fifth grade is a big science year. It's your science SOL mm -hmm. year. So we always are working with a lot of teachers just trying to get out there and explain, you know, what's freshwater ecology. Um, we do help with MEWI programs, or Meaningful Watershed Education Experience programs. Most of the time, the Park Authority runs those. So we come out often as subject matter experts, and we help them actually run these programs. Uh, for high school, we have a Stream Crime Investigation Unit, uh, or lab rather, where we, again, we take students through kind of dry weather monitoring. Um, those are some of the the larger programs that we do. We also have things called Critter Cube, where... Sometimes we like to bring benthic macroinvertebrates or the bugs that live in the bottom of the stream into the school to kind of explain what that is. Oh, okay. But sometimes the timing just doesn't work. Either it's winter time or it's just rain and I can't get into a stream to actually get live critters. So we devised a lab that actually uses like a dice. It was like a dice game. So they're actually sampling a stream using the dice. Oh, wow. Um, and they get kind of a random sample and they can figure out if that stream is good or bad based on the the bugs that they rolled. Huh. So it's a really good, you know, process that, again, we go through as ecologists, you know, when we go and we do a sample of a stream and then we identify the bugs and the bugs tell us that story of the stream, you know, that stream clean or dirty based on who we find. So, again, the students are doing a lot of the same programs and methodologies that we do out in the field, just kind of twist it around so we can get it into the classroom. Um, so we do a lot of different programs. We also do high school programs, high school MEWI programs, where we take students out into the field, show them everything that they do. They devise um, a question or hypothesis. Mm -hmm. They come back and they test it with us. Oh, wow. So we are just constantly expanding. And as one teacher one school hears about something that we do, another one hears about it and wants to do the same thing. So it's been really wonderful to have that opportunity. Our latest program or project that we're working on is a field journal. It should be done soon. I'm really excited. This is kind of a part two to the field guide, which right. is something that you and okay. your daughter saw. Yeah. So in the field guide, it just gave you, you know, 100 different species. And that's usually found around Fairfax County school campuses. But from what we heard from curriculum writers and from teachers is that they really wanted that true kind of science journal feeling. They wanted to go outside and give their students something and say, hey, you know, go go explore. And they just, they couldn't find that. They weren't able to mm -hmm. come up with something. So working with the curriculum writers, we actually created a field journal. So we have, the journal is almost done, it's in development, but it has about 10 different more um, active activities, no, more intensive activities. Sure. 
It has a few activities that are a little bit more open, more like thought-provoking. And then it has a bunch of just empty pages with some quotes that kind of encourage students to go outside. Now, does just... that take them to their neighborhoods or does that take them to Berkeley Park or does that take them to um, kind of their, their school where it may not be next to um, what you would traditionally think as out there to a stream? So it is to be used anywhere, and mm. it's wherever the teacher feels comfortable bringing their students. If the teacher just wants to have the students go outside, sit underneath a tree, and just listen for 30 minutes and write down what they hear and do that in different wow. seasons or in different areas, they can do that. If they want to assign the student to go home and do the same thing, they can. So this is really just providing a tool to teachers and students that is truly, you know, is written by a scientist, so we know that these things work, mm -hmm. um, but also in the mind that we want to provide this as a tool for these students to become a little bit more envir environmentally aware sure, and steward. Sure, sure. Well, and pay yeah. attention to your environment yeah. and what's going so on. So that's, that's really, yes, yeah, so that's the goal. So, you know, earlier we had mentioned that as much as we want to speak to every single student, we can't. Right. You know, there's too many. But creating these field guides and field journals is a way for us as ecologists to still reach you know, thousands and thousands of students. So there's about 15,000 fifth graders and or pretty much 15,000 in each grade. Mm -hmm. So if we send these to the fifth grade, then we have 15,000 new freshwater ecologists. Sure. You sure. know, so it's a great way for us to, <clears throat> excuse me, to kind of reach an extra few thousand students yeah. that we may not be able to talk to in person. That's fantastic. Um, and how... How successful has this program been, um, just in general? How, how, how have things been going? It's generally been going pretty well. I mean, there's, there's definitely a few things that don't work out. And there's a lot of kind of lessons learned of who do you need to talk to in the school system, and some things just don't work. And mm -hmm. I think that was a hard lesson for me to learn initially of, um, of giving – not giving up, but just saying, okay, this isn't going to work. Let me do something else. Sure. So, for example, we really wanted to work with schools and install rain barrels, like everywhere. And that sounds like a great thing. It's something that everyone should be doing, but there's a lot of safety issues with installing rain barrels. They don't want students to climb up on rain barrels and get onto the roof and potentially hurt themselves. So as much as we try to work with schools and their facility management, we never could get through to that. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those programs where it was like two years of me working through it. I was just trying to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, I said, you know what? This is this is just not going to work. Right. So let's take a step back and figure out what else can we do on school campuses that is ecologically minded, that talks about stormwater, but maybe doesn't, you know, work, you know, potentially get a student on the roof. <laughs> so that's actually where the replanting program came from is because – stormwater management facilities on school property, that little piece of land is actually owned by stormwater. Oh, So it, okay. that little, like, you know, 300 square feet, that's actually my land. So if I said, hey, kids, let's go plant it, we actually have the right to go ahead and do that. So it's it was a process to understand that, and it's definitely something I wish I had. Well, it's one of the, my lessons learned mm -hmm. from being a, a, a new environmental educator to where I am now is sometimes you just have to say that project isn't going to work. And you just move forward. So, and I should say this is the award-winning. Yes. So, award what is winning. that about? 
So we have been lucky that we have won several awards throughout the years, both NACO and and VACO, so National Associations of Counties and the Virginia Association of Counties. Um, We have won those awards for a variety of programs, including the Revitalize, Restore, Replant program we were just talking about, the SCI program we talked about, Critter Cubes. We also have a program called Floatable Monitoring, where we uh, show students how to actually monitor for trash in our streams. Um, we have, you know, again, uh, and the Storm of the Raindrop campaign has been also very successful. Um, we have many awards from that. So that is our more early elementary feel of uh, getting students aware of what is a storm drain and then the connection from Fairfax County down to Chesapeake Bay. So that's a great program. We have Storm of the Raindrop out and about during different events. You can come visit him during Celebrate Fairfax and Fall for Fairfax. Oh, those neat. good things. Are, are there any young ecologists you meet in high school that say, how do I do what you do? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, it's again, one of my things I love to do is encourage people to become this freshwater ecologist because I didn't have that. You know, I never knew that this was a job. Right. So lucky that I, I still became it. But we definitely have a lot of students who ask me a lot of questions. You know, unfortunately, we don't have internships for stormwater, but I can at least send them to different ideas. Um, so the Northern Virginia Soil and Water Conservation District mm-hmm. is also a great place to go for internships. Uh, we're just, you know, hoping to pair them up with somebody, too. But I'm always available, and I do get a lot of emails from, from different teachers and, and students about you know, how do I pursue this as a career? So it's really rewarding in that well, sense. And, and that's that's great that um, what you're doing is having an impact, um, not just environmentally um, overall, but that you're interesting people to then want to continue. Yes. And that, that's got to be rewarding. It definitely is. It's wonderful to think that hopefully we can create this, like, army of freshwater ecologists yeah. out there. Yeah, um, And just help our county. So I was at the zoo this past weekend, okay. National Zoo downtown, and it was funny because there was a whole um, herd of deer that weren't in the cage, oh. you know, that weren't <laughs> in the, the exhibits uh-huh. that they were just hanging. And I just thought that was such a great irony that mm-hmm. there were, and everyone stopped to take pictures of, of these the deer. deer. <laughs> you know, and I, and I'm like, they're not behind the walls, but they're, and, and that was just a neat kind of nature's always here kind of moment um, that I I was, it was kind of ironic. Um, Do you have any great wildlife stories from, you know, the county here, the things that you've seen out there? So one of the, my favorite things to do is we have a fish called snakehead. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it, but so snakehead fish is an invasive fish that came from Asia. I think it's a beautiful fish, but I am a dorky ecologist. Like it has a wonderful pattern. It's just a beautiful fish to me. <clears throat> but they're delicious. So are the lionfish down in, in off the coral. But are they poisonous? Florida. Yes, they're, but they're gorgeous. Okay, but, yeah, know, they're, they're beautiful, yeah. but but poisonous. Shouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be there. Um, so one of the programs we get to do is we actually work with the Park Authority down at Huntley Meadows um, with their wetland area. Mm-hmm. So once every year or two, we actually get to go down there, and we help shock up all of the snakeheads down there um, because they have kind of built an artificial beaver dam. So or a weir, so they need help once in a while to actually get you know the snakeheads out of Huntley Meadows, or else they'll eat everything. So it's a really nice day that we actually get to go out with the park authority, kind of have that partnership, and you know work with some other ecological staff, and then whatever snakeheads we catch, we take out and we can make into snakehead tacos. That oh, night. nice! So it's like a bonus day. 
Yeah, so it's really fun. Right, a new take on Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, they're delicious. So I definitely, I wasn't joking. Like, really? they actually Steak are delicious. Are good. Okay. Oh yeah, That's they're, a, they're very know, delicate. Not just white invasive, fish. but you know, good yeah. to eat. And they're good because they grow so fast, so they don't bioaccumulate any of the toxins and our other fish too. Oh, okay. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't joking. I was serious. All right. Snakeheads are delicious. See, this podcast not only <laughs> teaches you about the environment, yeah. but you get a culinary experience. Exactly. Also. Exactly. So bonus. So, uh, Danielle, where can you go and get more information on your team? Sure. So if you have any interest in booking us or at least looking at some different programs, you can go to our Watershed Education and Outreach website. It's at fairfaxcounty.gov slash publicworks slash stormwater. And then you can scroll down to Watershed Education and Outreach. And on that has a big list of different programs, and you can scroll through and see what we find. Yes, I was there just today, and there's a bunch of videos that show examples of different education. Uh, I'm going to show my daughters about it. I think it's very, uh, very interesting and exciting. It's something that I wish I had the opportunity to to go into. I know I was in... Uh, in the backwoods of Huntsman Creeks and stuff like that, all during, you know, my time growing up here in the area. So, you know, catching uh, crayfish and all that well, stuff. Well, if, and... if you want to come out with us sometime, you're always welcome to. Uh, well, I, you know, as far as being part of the video team here, yeah. we're going to do that, I Great. promise you. So, uh, Danielle, thanks for joining us today. Um, again, if you'd like more information on the uh, watershed Education and Outreach Team. That's fairfaxcounty.gov slash publicworks slash stormwater. And scroll down to watershed-education-and-outreach. <laughs> I always love reading uh, URLs. <laughs> um, and always, you can hear EnviroPod here on fairfaxcounty.gov, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Thanks again to my good friend Irene Haskey, who helps put this all together, representing DPWES. And uh, for more topic uh, suggestions, feel free to contact us. And, again, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. This This is really exciting. And uh, we're definitely going to have you back because we could talk for hours about all this stuff. Yeah, um, we just scratched the surface. Yes. Once again, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on EnviroPod.